0: You're listening to the Crypto Markets Wiki Podcast, brought to you by John Lothian News. Welcome to the Crypto Markets Wiki Podcast. I'm Matt Rabel, and today we are talking with Philippe Bacazzi, Chief Executive Officer at the XBTO Group. Philippe, welcome
1: to the program. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Who we met?
0: Yeah, pleasure to have you. So before founding XBTO, you established a career for yourself creating tools for equity derivatives traders like risk management software. Has it been an easy transition going from an established space like equity derivatives trading to working on something like a trading desk for cryptocurrency?
1: Thanks for the question. Yes. uh, Actually, I've I've worked on many asset classes, just not not only equities, uh, I worked in credits and and FX and uh, and commodities. So I have a broad global macro view of of sort of the world and of the asset classes and their derivatives. So for me, it's been a. Um, I started my career at SAC Capital, which is a hedge fund, um, and it's now called Point Seventy Two. It, it was founded by Steve Cohen. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know him, know of him. And for me, I've I've always been interested in, in in tech and finance and the intersection of both of, the, of those uh, fields, and so it's been a natural evolution for me given my professional trajectory. So I started in the hedge funds, then I worked to on on risk management software for a San Francisco based company, and did a lot of consulting for hedge funds and banks and all that. So. You know, I did a lot of t- t- technology consulting, and then, of course, uh, when when Bitcoin came around, well, you know, guess what? Um, my experience as both a technologist and a financier was perfect, and I was able to embrace and understand the opportunity set and make an educated bet on 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 crypto, uh, on Bitcoin. So, you know, for me, I find that you know, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity, and this is basically what happened. Like a lot of people would say. Oh, that that was a lucky lucky shot, and I I would tend to agree it, it would be luck. But I think you had to recognize that that opportunity, and luckily for me, in a way, I was prepared for it. So, so yeah, so this this has been natural evolution, and uh, here we are, you know, today, and we're still managing XPTO, which, uh, as you mentioned, is a is a crypto focused prop um, trading company, but does also a lot of different things, but we can get into those.
0: Yeah, you also handle um, asset management. Uh, You're an advisory firm. Uh, You specialize in uh, cryptocurrency mining as well. You have all sorts of different uh, services that you've branched out over time. Was that intentional from the start or did that sort of just happen naturally?
1: You know, uh, because of the way Bitcoin uh, grew so quickly, I mean, it's 10 years old and it is... uh, you know we're we're close to $10,000 we did not foresee such a rapid ramp up in the ecosystem and so in a way when we started it in 2015 for me it was kind of i didn't even think it was really a real business it was more of a a, a hobby and i thought well you know we'll be lucky if if we can even one, we can pay even one salary by the year end but really that, the time went so quickly In crypto time that at the end of the day we were standard deviations away from initial expectations, and therefore we were we were fortunate to adapt to the market and branched out and then took advantage uh, of these opportunities due to our resources and know-how and we were nimble because we're a small team but we're reacting to all this uh uh, this volatility upside volatility in, in crypto and so it was it was impressive And we were able to sustain the bear market and take advantage of opportunities. So we created the venture capital, um, you know, an internal venture capital firm. And we did a, um, we have an asset management, as you mentioned, that would be mining. And so we're doing some consulting. We've advised the government of Bermuda on a number of things and others. So, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're adapting, you know, this, this, this uh, ecosystem is, Is growing so quickly. There's so many new things that every month there's something new in the system, in in this ecosystem. So it's you need to be nimble. You need to be open-minded, and you need to um, need to adapt.
0: Yeah, sounds like it started out as a passion project, and over time it developed into you know a, a company capable of standing on its own. That's great. So a lot of people are a lot of people have compared the crypto markets with the internet in the '90s, right? Why do you think that this comparison gets made so much? Do you think that that it's an apt comparison?
1: I think it's a logical comparison, and and because you're you're comparing two networks, right? There's Bitcoin grew by network effects, and so did the internet. In a way, the internet is decentralized, in the same way blockchain and crypto that sits on blockchain is is decentralized, right? So there are very similar forces that are at play. And so the framework is similar. And on top of the internet, you are building a number of um, use cases. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit the same in blockchain. So in a way, crypto would not be able to be without the internet. So you could think of crypto as sort of a second layer or, or a product of the internet, right? But the, the the one stark difference is this: is the product asset class does not have the scalability of the internet just yet. Right? It's only 10 years old. It's growing. It's money, so it's, it's different than growing a Facebook or Instagram in terms of a network effect. There are barriers, limitations, legal, regulatory, and all that, and and therefore this slows down the uh, the adoption. Uh, you know, also users. You know, they don't need to be ideological and have a specific mindset to make. The, the utility worthwhile in the internet, right? I mean, you can just use it and it's very straightforward. With, with Bitcoin, for example, there is a little bit of, uh, you need to understand why Bitcoin is important versus the dollar, because for a lot of people, the dollar is just fine, right? So why worry about Bitcoin? And so there's a little bit of a step in the progression of people's mind to get to a um, that degree of, of network effect of having so many people just adopt it, right? Of course, there's a lot of, of road to to cover for Bitcoin to be used by a lot of people right now. I mean, I, I couldn't tell exactly how much that would be, but I can I can probably say it's less than
0: 5%. So you come from a very institutional background. You said you've worked in uh, not just equity trading, FX trading, all you've advised all kinds of different companies, uh, different banks. What, in your view, is the most common thing preventing traditional institutional investors, or should I say more institutional investors, from becoming involved in the crypto markets in some way or another, whether that's through investment or venture capital or something else?
1: You know, the large players are coming to the table. They're coming every day. Um, You get news, Paul Tudor Jones recently, Rentech, Renaissance. I can tell you there are a lot of large hedge funds that are involved that are getting involved, they're getting ready. So this is slowly trickling in. To be honest, I think it's been a little bit slower. And the reason why it's been slower is because there are forces at work that are slowing down this adoption, as I was saying earlier, regu- regulatory issues, compliance issues, and and, and like things like idios- idiosyncratic risk of, of, of crypto, for example, like custody issues. These things are are slowing down the adoption because they're new. It's a a really new, call it a NASA class, it's an emerging-ass class, but it is, in a way, starting to look similar to gold in many ways, right? So we start referring it to to digital gold, right? And I think that's a NAPS comparison because if you look at its scarcity, it's you know it's, it's proven scarcity, right? Twenty one, there will only be twenty one million Bitcoin at the end of the day uh, when they're, they're when it's fully mined, right? And still a ways to go, but there's been about eighteen million mined so far. There will be twenty one million in the next hundred years or so. So it's it's with time, people will understand what Bitcoin represents. Its features of portability, scarcity. It's easy to easier to uh, to to move around. It's easier to store. uh divisible. It, it's it's just a easier way of uh, of of moving value around, right? At the end of the day, so I think people will see it as a diversification asset. It has It definitely has def- diversification benefits if you if you look at its uh, correlation to other uh, asset classes. But you know, again, the issues regulatory the compliance and, and, you know, the idiosyncratic risks of custody and, and trading, you know, it trades a little differently spot trades on dedicated exchanges. They're not traded on your New York stock exchange or NASDAQ, but they all trade on CME. And so that has been a huge pinpoint for a lot of institutions, hedge fund specialists.
0: So as you mentioned, the CME group, has begun offering crypto derivatives, well, specifically futures and options on futures over the past year. And it's really taken off. And then, of course, there are other platforms that are unregulated like Deribit that have quite a lot of volume. Then there's you know, BitMEX. And I think just today, Binance announced that they've launched quarterly Bitcoin futures, I think. So it seems like the crypto derivatives market is really taking off. Uh, how do you think that the modern crypto derivatives market has affected the liquidity of the crypto markets in general?
1: Well, it certainly has impacted the market in a positive way. It, it Derivatives on crypto are multiples, in terms of volume, are multiples of that of spot, underlying spot. And they're much more capital efficient for people to take a position and to head their position. And the fact is, is that their derivatives have brought other trading strategies before, therefore they've brought in new players. So um, before there were miners and natural buyers that just wanted to, to use Bitcoin, and then you, by adding derivatives, now you have hedge funds that are basically trading basis strategies, relative value strategies, volatility strategy. There's options now. And by having these these derivatives, you're really enabling People to, to take different views, and therefore you're you're accelerating the liquidity system in, in the crypto system, right? And derivatives um, also are very capital efficient. So by putting in one bitcoin, you can move five bitcoin. You could probably even move a lot more. Certain some of these unregulated exchanges, as you mentioned, allow you to, to move a hundred bitcoin with just one bitcoin. Of course, it's very very risky, but. Liquidity begets liquidity, right? So all of this, all these new products have really helped fortify the ecosystem. And and the liquidity is critical to to Bitcoin and to the other crypto assets. Uh, Without liquidity, you basically end up with an asset that uh, has really no value. You can't really move it around. You don't know at what price you're moving it around. And so, you know, we've invested early in companies that that were creating this liquidity, allowing this liquidity like Paradigm, like Derricket, like X Margin. These are all portfolio companies of XPq ventures. And we we are able as a liquidity provider, uh, because this is what what we started in five years ago, we were we, we started our the company on the premise that liquidity wasn't great on a lot of exchanges. So we approached one exchange and said, you know what, we are going to develop algos to create better liquidity for exchange. And from one exchange, we, you know, we grew to two exchanges, five exchanges. Now we're on 35 exchanges, more or less. Some of them are, of course, much more active than others, but we are, you know, people approach us and they want our our product. They want our solution. They need this liquidity. And so we have all kinds of, of tools and and algos to allow them to give their clients what they want. And what they want is a cheap way to express a view on Bitcoin. So tight bid-ask spread and low slippage, effectively.
0: So I want to talk about stablecoins for a second. Demand for stablecoin adoption seems to be accelerating at a breakneck pace lately with the Chinese government's announcement that they're creating a digital yuan, not to mention All of the new stablecoin products in the crypto space that have filled out over the past year or so. What role might stablecoins have in the future? Do you think that they will become part of the existing financial system or do you think that they might exist somehow separate from it?
1: That's a great question. Thanks, Matt. This is, well, for us, you know, we believe that stablecoins are a better way to exchange traditional value. When I say traditional, I mean dollars and euros and yen. And basically, a stablecoin at its most basic, in its most basic form, is an IOU on a blockchain. It's the tokenization on a dollar in a bank account onto digital rails, right? So what it does is that you can move money quickly across borders, cheaply and efficiently. And it basically would compete against SWIFT, credit cards, and money within companies, banks, and all that. But it doesn't compete with underlying currencies. It doesn't compete against the dollar. It's still a dollar. But it's just a dollar on, on better rails, right? Money on better rails. So we recognize the growth of stablecoins, and we're very vocal about it back in 2019. Uh, and we believe that it would be a killer app with many use cases. And actually, we, we co-founded a company called Stablehouse here um, in Bermuda, which is a clearinghouse for real-time cross blockchain payments. And we believe that this is going to be a huge, a huge business in the future. Stablehouse is regulated by the, the Bermuda Monetary Authority, and we're on the verge of going live. It's currently live in beta with select counterparties, but we expect to, you know, to fully open to all counterparties by early Q4. But to you know, put it simply, I mean, stablecoin is definitely money on better rails, and we think it's it's here to stay. As you can tell the market capitalization of stable coins, the top three stable coins at least, is nearing $10 billion. And so it's a proof that it is, it is successful and it's drawing and it's not going away.
0: Well, great. That's super exciting to hear, Philippe. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys roll that out and seeing what uh, XBTO gets up to in the future.
1: I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. For more news, videos, and podcasts like this, head over to johnlothiannews.com.